0: This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. In the Amplified, he says, Therefore do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Now notice he says firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Firmly grasping, not with a loose hold, but firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. God wants us to be firm in knowing the will of God. So we know the will of God is revealed by the Word of God. The Word of God reveals the will of God. So if I see it in His Word, then it's His will. Say that with me. The Word of God is the will of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, the Holy Spirit wants to help us discover this good life to discover this good plan. So we've got to settle it that God has a plan for each and every one of us. There's a there's a race that that each and every one of us have to run. There's a course that God has set out for each and every one of us. There is a good plan. Say a good plan. Remember Jeremiah 29:11 for I know the thoughts and the plans, thoughts and the plans for you says the Lord, thoughts and plans to give you hope and a future. So think about it. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. And he never starts something unless it's already finished. He thought about you and he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. But what are some things I can do to be confident? Because a lot of times we are wanting the spectacular waiting for the vision, waiting for the dream, waiting for the angel to show up, waiting from whatever we're waiting on. But there's some things that we can do daily to let us know that we're in the will of God, we're doing the Word of God, and the Word of God reveals the will of God. So here's some things, just to to kind of recap, We talked about uh, some things to know that you're in the will of God or you're doing the will of God. James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, it says, when we receive the engrafted word of God, it has the power to save our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So when we receive God's word and we do God's word, he says we're blessed in our doing. So how do I know that I'm in the will of God? When I'm doing the word of God, I'm in the will of God. When I'm doing the Word of God, not what you don't know, but what you do know. See, we're always after more knowledge. Well, what am I doing with what I know? When I'm doing the Word of God, I'm in the will of God. James chapter 1, verse 2, how do I know that I'm in the will of God? He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. So I know when I keep my joy level up that I'm in the will of God. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, he says, There's joy and peace whenever I believe. So if my joy level is up, my strength level is up. Nehemiah eight ten 10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. If my strength level is up, I can do whatever God has called and created me to do. And that includes resisting the enemy. But if my joy level is down, my strength level is down, and if I don't resist the enemy, he's not going to flee. And if my joy level is down and my strength level is down, my energy level is down, and I don't have the, the strength to do what I'm called and created to do. So how do I know that I'm in the will of God? When I do the word of God, I'm in the will of God. When I keep my joy level up, I'm in the will of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Give thanks in all things. For this is the will of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks, for this is the will of God. So when I'm thankful, I'm in the will of God. So when I'm doing the Word of God, I'm in the will of God. When my joy level is up, I'm in the will of God. When I'm being thankful, I'm in the will of God. So if I'm grumbling, griping, complaining, sucking my thumb, pulling my ear, wah, 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 victim mentality, what about me? I'm not in faith. And faith is what pleases God, and faith is what moves God. We live by faith. We please God by faith. So those are some indicators, and we could keep going. I mean, we could talk about submission. We could talk about being planted where God has called you to be planted in the body of Christ. We could talk about being connected to the right relationships, the right ministries. All those things are part of us being confident in knowing we are in the will of God. How many of you want to be confident that you're walking in the will of God? Every single one of us, right? So how am I doing? Remember Second Corinthians 13 verse 5 that we need to examine our own faith to make sure our faith is producing what God says it should be producing in the Bible because it's easy for us to look at everybody else, but how am I doing? That's what I've got to ask myself. How am I doing with my joy? How am I doing with being thankful? How am I doing with being a doer of the Word of God? How am I doing with being filled with the Spirit? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, Never lag in zeal and an earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit. Now, we're, we're getting into talking about the Holy Spirit wants to help us be confident in the plan and the will of God for our life. He says, never lag in zeal and earnest endeavor, be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. So we we saw in Ephesians chapter 5, right up above there in, in verse 17 and 18, I'll read it again. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless, and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Debauchery simply means that you're just overly indulging yourself in in your senses, is what that means. Just like... Uh, He's saying don't get drunk with wine How wine influences you to think a certain way Act a certain way Talk a certain way It'll cause you to make some dumb decisions in your life He says that's not the will of God He says what the will of God is Is that we're filled with the Holy Spirit What's the will of God? That we're filled with the Holy Spirit Why is that? Because he's saying the same way How alcohol causes you to think and believe and act a certain way He wants the Holy Spirit To cause you to think and believe and act a certain way how alcohol, it stimulates your body. He says he wants the Holy Spirit to stimulate you. Alcohol will destroy your life where the Holy Spirit will set you free. So he says the will of God is that we're filled. And when you look at this in the Greek, it's saying ever being filled. It's It's an everyday experience that he wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an everyday experience that he wants us to be burning aglow with the Spirit of God. It's an everyday, not not last week's experience, not last month's experience, not last year's experience, not 10 years ago experience. He wants us to have relationship with him in the here and now today. Being filled with the Spirit of God is the will of God. Say it is the will of God. The Holy Spirit wants to help us be confident in the plan and purpose of God for our life. And in reality, through relationship with God, that's that's really the only way the knowing comes on the inside of you that you're doing what you're created to do, what you're born to do. The Holy Spirit wants to help me know the will of God. Say he wants to help me. See, we've got to take ownership of our relationship with God. We, we don't want to have the mindset that, okay, he's going to answer somebody else's prayer. He wants to, 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 for you to know the will of God. No, he wants me to know the will of God. He's a good father. He's not trying to frustrate us. He's not trying to withhold things from us. He's not trying to make it hard and difficult for us to discover the plan and will of God for our life. He's a good father, and he's given us his word. He's given us his blood. He's given us his spirit for us to be confident in the will of God. And he says, stay, stay burning, stay aglow. In other words, he's saying, let it, let it be a reality that the Spirit of God is in you and He flows through you. Let's keep going. Now, you can look at your own time, and I'll just kind of refer to it, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I mean, think about when we're filled with the Spirit of God, there's a change in our life. When we have a relationship with God, there's a change in our life. Remember Acts chapter 4, whenever Peter and John 3 and 4, when Peter and John, they raised up the man um, at the beautiful, the gate called beautiful. And they said, silver and gold, I don't have none, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you rise up and walk. And then it goes on and it says the religious people realized that they were uneducated and unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. See, they saw something different. They heard something different. They experienced something different. That's that's supposed to be normal in our life. Because we're filled with the Spirit of God. We're, we're being doers of the Word of God. It's the will of God. We're keeping our joy level up. That's the will of God. We're being thankful. That's the will of God. We're in relationship with God the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God. Say, it is the will of God. But in Acts chapter 6, what was happening is the church was growing and spreading and the Word was multiplying and, and the uh, people come to him and said, hey, we're, some, some of the ladies are getting left out. They're not getting their needs taken care of and distributed. Well, the, you know, the disciples said, hey, we don't want to leave the Word. So what we're going to do is we're going to look out among the disciples and we're going to see something in their life. He said, this is what we're going to see. We're going to look for the ones who are full of the Holy Spirit. You mean they could see when somebody was full of the Holy Spirit? He said, we're going to look for somebody that's full of wisdom. You mean you can see somebody that applies wisdom? He says, they're going to be people of integrity. You mean you can see... People that are doing the word of God, you can see people that are keeping their joy level up. You can see people that are being thankful. See, when we're filled with the spirit of God, you can see these are things that you can see when we're, we're experiencing the presence of God, people can see a difference in us, you know, I, I told you the story before. Of, I'm in Las Vegas. And I'm on the phone. I'm out there preaching and ministering. And I'm on the phone, and this lady comes up to me, and, and she just starts going up and down my body like this on the outside. And I'm thinking, I'm on this. I'm like, do I cast the devil out of her? Do I, what do you want me to do, Lord? Do you know. And so I told the person I was talking to, hey, I'm going to have to call you back. And I get off the phone. And she says, Oh, there's just such an aura about you. I say, yeah, his name is Jesus, and you can have the same aura. She says, okay, thank you, and she left. <laughs> but she saw something different out there. We were light and darkness, right? So we've got to be real with ourselves. Okay, can can I see a difference in my life? I, I mean, I know me. You know, I, Tim knows me when I first gave my life to the Lord. I, You know, there's a difference. I know there's a difference in Heather. She sees a difference in me. There's a difference in y'all. I could think we could go around the room. There's a difference in all of us because of why? Well, we're doing the word of God and that's the will of God. We're being thankful. That's the will of God. We're keeping our joy up. That's the will of God. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit because that's the will of God. Say it's the will of God. But they saw something in these people they didn't see their bumper sticker that said i love jesus they didn't see their christian jewelry oh oh oh, that's the one right there they didn't see their 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 clothes they they saw the wisdom they saw the presence of the holy spirit they saw something different can they can they see that difference in us let's keep going acts i mean romans chapter 8 verse 14 Not only do we want to be filled with the Spirit on a continual basis, a daily experience, but we want to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So not only do when we call upon the name of Jesus, we come out of the kingdom of darkness, we come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, but then we start renewing our mind to the word of God because that is the will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. we transformed is the word metamorphosis that that paints the picture of going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. He says there's going to be a transformation in your place in your life as you renew your mind to the word of God. He says, as you renew your mind to the Word of God, you're going to prove. You're not going to guess. You're not going to wish. You're not going to hope. You're going to know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, the perfect will of God. And that's what we're after. A lot of times people want to stay with the good will or the acceptable will, but we want the perfect will. Am I willing to go after the perfect will? Say yes. We're willing to go after the perfect will of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, you're the sons of God. Daughters of God. Not only filled, but led the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us to a place where we're confident that we're doing what we're created to do. He wants us confident that we're protected. He wants us confident that we walk in the blessing. He wants us confident that we're the healed. He wants us confident that we're redeemed from the curse. He wants us confident the Holy Spirit is leading us to a place of knowing who we are and why we're here. Say, I'm led... Now, the first thing, in order for the Holy Spirit to help us be confident in knowing the will of God, one of the first things that we've got to understand is that God communicates to us by His Spirit to our spirit. He doesn't communicate to our mind. He doesn't communicate to our body. He communicates to our spirit. So if He communicates to my spirit, then I've got to... Okay, I come into the family of God. I'm born again. I have the nature of God on the inside of me. And one of the first ways and one of the most consistent ways He's going to lead us to help us be walking in the will of God is that inward witness. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think with me, there's no way I could convince you that you're not saved. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Because at some point in time you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you declared with your mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. Correct? 1 John 5, verses 12, verses 13, it says the person who has Jesus, the Son, has eternal life. The person who doesn't have Jesus doesn't have eternal life. And he says, I write this to you so you are certain, so you know that the life of God is in you. You have, I want you to go inward, you have a knowing on the inside of you that if you were to die right now, you would spend eternity with God because Jesus is your Lord and Savior, correct? Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16, he goes on to say, and because of that, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. That witness is a knowing, it's a leading, it's an assurance, it's a certainty that He is your Father. Father meaning source, Abba, Abba. Your real you is calling out to the Father. So one of the main ways that He leads us is by the inward witness, by that inward knowing, the same knowing that you have that you're saved, you're born again, nobody can talk you out of, of your salvation. Correct? Because you have that inward witness, you have that knowing. Now, if he is going to minister that inward witness to the most important thing in your life, why wouldn't that be one of the main ways that he leads you and I throughout our Christian experience is by that knowing? Yes, we want the visions, we want the dreams, we want all these different encounters. Don't seek that stuff, seek him. Be a doer of His Word, and you will be led by that inward witness. So one of the first ways, one of the main ways that He's going to lead you and I is by the inward witness. Another way that He's going to lead you and I is by the still small voice. Uh, Speaking of the inward witness not too long ago, I mean, think about the different examples in your life. When you didn't have a word... It, it wasn't so, so. There's usually three primary ways that the Holy Spirit leads us by the, by the inward witness that knowing, the still small voice, uh, the, the, the 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 inward voice. Your 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 my man out here has an outward voice. That's what you're hearing, but my spirit man has an inward voice. So there's the there's the knowing. There's the leading. There's the inward witness, and and then there's this there's still small voice. Okay, by this one. But not that one. The still small voice says, "Bless this person," but doesn't say anything when you're over here doing this. See the inward witness. Not so long ago, we were. This is just one example. We were leaving Wichita Falls. I've never gone this way before. I always go a certain way, but when we get to the truck stop at, at Wichita Falls, Heather and I and the kids, and I just, I told her, I said, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to go this way. We took a totally different route, went down a road. I would never went there. As soon as we got down the road, there's a car that had flipped over in the on the deals. I was able to run over there, pray for them. Everybody was whole. I mean, it was, see, the inward witness. It wasn't a go down five miles, take a ride, and you'll go somewhere you'll never go before, and there it is, bam! No, it's just simply simply a, a leading, an inward witness that, Father, I know you're good. The same knowing that I know that I'm saved is the same knowing that's leading me to go left instead of right. It's leading me to be at the right place at the right time. You know, the last time I, I went over to, to Australia, uh, or maybe there's a time before last. Anyway, one of the times, because every time he gives me either a word, a directive, or something like this, I just told Heather I just have a, I have a witness on the inside of me. And as I followed that witness, he only gave me, gave me the words. As, as they went, the leopards, as they went, they were made whole. See, the still, small voice, it wasn't an authoritative voice. It wasn't at this time. There was a, a, an inward witness or leading to a certain point but then the still small voice backed up the inward witness. So the inward witness and the still small voice, they can all work together and he just said, as they went, and so I went to Australia on that, and as they went, and as I stepped off the plane, God opened up door after door after door after door, and we just we saw tons of people accept the Lord and miracle after miracle there. But it, it didn't come by an angel showing up in my room. It didn't come. It came by a leading, an inward witness, a knowing, and there's confidence in that. And then came the still small voice, but then there's the times of the authoritative voice that you hear the voice of God so strongly that you think everybody else heard it, but nobody else heard it. Or it's so strong, you think, is somebody around? But it's so, it's so strong. For, for example, when I was uh, praying about, let's say when I was praying about Heather, whether we were supposed to, to get married or not, the, the, it went from a leading to an inward witness to a still small voice started just talking to me um, about her being a warrior and showing me the, the, the picture of her and her armor. See that was that was the leading, that was a confirmation, there was confidence there that she was my bride. Now when I was praying about going uh, from rodeo on the first time to pastoring churches during that time, I, I was praying and fasting. I had a leading that things were changing, and then I had an authoritative voice when I was reading John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and I know these changes were coming. And it was like I was at a fork in a road. And it was Jesus when he comes to the pool of Bethesda. There's all these sick people around the pool. And the angel would come down and stir the water. And the first person in the water would be made whole. And Jesus walks by everybody. And he walks to one man who'd been in a condition for 38 years. And he asked him, will you be made whole? And it was like I could hear the voice of God so loud and so strong. The Lord was being very authoritative with me. He wasn't just saying, well, honey, if you want to, or it was a stern, firm authoritative voice. Will you be made whole? In other words, you're saying, you're saying you want everything I have for you, but I'm getting very firm with you. Oh, really? And I, this Johnson paraphrased now. Oh, really? You say you want to be everything that I have? Will you be made whole? In other words, if you do this, this is connected to your wholeness and your destiny. So there's the inward witness. There's the still small voice. There's the authoritative voice. And, and some of these can work together. So learning how the Holy Spirit leads us is very important. In order for us to know the plan and the will of God, we want to, we want to hear the voice of God. And you know what? God wants to speak, and He is speaking. He wants us to get it. Say, He wants me to get it. Uh, you can look at these different scriptures in your own time. Uh, about him leading us by his spirit about the different ways that he do it now now let's talk about developing our spirit so we can know God's will proverbs chapter 18 verse 14 it says a strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. A strong spirit of a man, the strong spirit of a man, not the weak spirit of a man, a strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise it up. And so a lot of times we want to spend all of our time developing our mind and developing our body. We spend our whole life trying to develop our mind and develop our body, and we give little attention to our spirit man. And so our spirit man is little bitty and weak on the inside and our heads are really big and our bodies might be in shape, but our mind and our body dominate instead of our spirit man dominating. Remember, he is a spirit. John chapter four, verse 24, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When we're made in the image and likeness of God and we function like God, Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 28, we are spiritual beings. And we fellowship. God, when he fellowships with us and he talks to us, he doesn't talk to our mind. He doesn't talk to our body. He talks to our spirit. But because we're so mind conscious and body conscious, very seldom do we truly learn how to hear the spirit of God on the inside of us because we're so cluttered out here and we're moved by what's going on out here. As we learn to be led by the Spirit of God, we learn to not be moved by the circumstances because circumstances aren't supposed to determine the will of God for our life. The Word of God and the Spirit of God is what determines the will of God for our life. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How does God communicate with you? By your Spirit then your spirit informs your mind on what the Father is saying. See, the Holy Spirit carries the voice of the Father and He communes with our spirit. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, We're sanctified spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit man, our soul is our mind, will and emotions and of course you know what your body is. So the Holy Spirit carries the voice of the Father and because of Jesus we're in relationship with the Father but the Holy Spirit carries the voice of God, carries the plan of God, carries the truth of God and ministers to our spirit and then our spirit communes with our mind to let our mind know what our spirit is picking up on from the Holy Spirit. But most people don't know they should be listening for the still small voice or the authoritative voice or that inward witness. They know that they're saved, but that's as far as they go. And God wants us to grow to the point where He leads and guides us into all truth, where He leads us to profit, where He leads us to be at the right place at the right time. For, for example, you, maybe, maybe this will help some of you as far as learning... Um, I, I've, I've learned it by missing it just as much as I have as gotten it right. Example, just a couple of days ago, I mean, I've been at this for a time now, but sometimes you get busy, you get doing stuff and, 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 and I took all the horses out of the front pasture and I left one there and there were some colts up there and I thought, ah, oh, she'll be fine. And it, it just had this, it's still, this, this, this inward witness, this uh, still small voice, uh, catch her, catch her and tie her up. Ah, she'll be all right. Go out. Practice, come back. Heather's screaming, <laughs> Trey! Go out and she took, a, I mean, she took a, they, the, the vet took a whole bone, just a whole bone chip out of her hip. Now see, that wasn't, yeah, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God's always ahead of the devil. Always. Every failure in my life, now that I've learned, I can go back and always the Holy Spirit was trying to prevent the very thing that the devil was able to do. Because Sometimes we get so busy, we're so tired, have so many going on, maybe it's strife, unforgiveness, we don't hear. Because we're so focused on mind and body and our emotions get in the way that we lose sight of what's going on in here. You can go back to all the accounts of 9-11 years ago, the believers that weren't there, the Holy Spirit led them not to be there that day whether it's a car wreck, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a financial deal, whatever it is, if we learn to listen and hear, if it's a failure, it's not on God's fault. Well, that just must be the plan of God. No, it's somewhere, sometime, God was trying to prevent that from taking place. And as we develop and as we grow, we can hear the voice of God and we can, as His children, be led by His Spirit into all truth to lead us to a place of victory. Period. Period. And the good thing about the Father is, even when I've got my tail in a jam and I've been the cause of the mistake, (laughs) He will always help me get out of it. Always. Not one time has He never not helped me get out of the mess. He's just a good dad like that. You know what? Let's keep going. So Proverbs 18, verse 14, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak, broken spirit, who can raise it up? Now this is very important to have a strong spirit You've got to learn to to have a tender heart. You've got to learn not to be driven by your emotions or driven by your own fleshly desires. Or, because um, sometimes, uh, for example, I was thinking earlier. I was actually at um, Tim and Tracy's house years ago, and I was praying. I was headed up to the Windy Rhine, to the Ropen, and I had the, the I just won the Rookie of the Year, and I had the best partners you know that a guy could have, and. And I, three I was so pumped about the, going to the rope in that day. And I got up that morning and the Lord just led me. I just led. I opened up my Bible and I was just reading. Just led a Proverbs 23, verse 2. A man driven by his desires like sticking a knife to his throat. And instantly the Lord says, if you don't get a hold of this desire, you're just like sticking a knife to your throat. See, desires are a good thing when they're surrendered to the Lord. Your gifts are given to us by God, but our gifts aren't supposed to drive us. We're supposed to be stewards and use our gifts and call in an assignment, being led by the Spirit of God to be what we're supposed to be, doing what we're created to do. So I went to the roping that day, and I'm talking about being led by the Spirit of God and how He led me to that. And I went to the roping, and none of them understood what I was doing. I didn't tell them what I was doing, but I went to every one of them and said, I'm not roping today, and I made myself sit there and watch one of of the biggest ropings of the year. And that was a breaking point in my life that rope and no longer controlled me from that day forward. See, we can, we can be led by the Spirit, but we can also be led by our emotions. How, about, how many times do we, we can all think of this, how many times has the Spirit led us to a divine relationship, a church, a ministry, a business deal, but our, our emotions pulled us away? Our feelings pulled us away. It happens all the time in marriages. You knew the Spirit of God brought you together, but because of differences in emotions and feelings, okay, I'm not in love anymore because of my feelings. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. See, the Spirit will lead us, but our emotions, if they don't get in check by the Word of God, they will take us away from where God has led us. You with me? So we're led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Just like anything that a person is good at, that means you've had a lot of mistakes on the way to getting good at something, right? (laughs) So I've had lots of mistakes on the getting to the part of being able to hear the voice of God. Say, that's okay. Okay, I'm glad my wife is for me. This is another, another good thing uh, to look at in the Holy Spirit, helping us be confident in the plan of God. Is this helping us tonight? Are you learning something out, out of this? Is learning how to look to uh, spiritually mature people. In, in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 through 3, this is certain prophets and teachers, they're together. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said. Now, it doesn't say that He spoke... Uh, by an inward witness. It doesn't say he spoke by a still small voice. It doesn't say he spoke in an authoritative voice. It just says that they ministered the Lord fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So if you're going to make a major decision in your life... Now, we've all got to take responsibility for our own relationship with God. It's our own responsibility to hear the voice of God. Say, it's my responsibility. But if you're going to make a life-changing decision that's going to affect your destiny and your family, it is, it is wisdom to run it by the spiritual coverings that you have, the spiritually mature people that are in your life, um, you know, for example, when I went from rodeo into pastoring the first time, I was I was ordained in the ministry by Glenn and Ann Smith, and I, I knew Glenn. He wasn't going to like me going and pastoring because he was a traveling minister, and if you knew this guy, he was a warrior for the kingdom. But he was. He was when I when I was getting ordained, I was praying and seeking the Lord, and I just knew I had that knowing on the inside I was called to ministry. Because at first, man, it just it scared the bejeebies out of me. You know, I, you know, I I didn't I didn't want to get ordained in the ministry. You know, just because my perception of what ministry was like. After I sought God, I knew I was called to the ministry. I called Glenn. I say, Glenn, I, I you know I've been praying, fasting. And I I know I'm called to ministry. He says, You're not. I said, well, I I believe I am. He says, you're not. So this time I'm getting a little flustered, you know, I'm getting a little upset. I said, well, all due respect, you know, I really feel like the Lord's telling me. And he could tell I was getting upset. He said, hang on, hang on a sec. He's like, I know you're called to ministry. You know you're called to ministry, but if I could have talked you out of it, the devil sure could have talked you out of it. So so I knew after six years of, of traveling and ministering, the ministry was doing great, and I was ministering all over the place, And, and but I knew there was a transition coming of pastoring and churches, and, and I knew Glenn wasn't going to like it, but also understood the kingdom, that if this was God, it was going to be confirmed by my spiritual leaders, and so I can still see it today. He's in his bathroom at his house, and, and I go in there, and I just start sharing with him what I felt like the Lord was telling me, and he looked, and I could see his muscles in his jaws kind of tensing up and everything, and... And I told him, and he just looked at me, and he said, I believe you're hearing God. I went, whew, because I didn't really want him to say I was hearing God. You know, I'd worked my whole life to get to where I was at doing what I was doing, but I knew God was speaking through my spiritual leaders. So if it contradicts a major life-changing, you better know that you know that you're hearing the voice of God. When I went back from pastor nine years later, I just felt like the Lord was telling me, go back, traveling, and minister. And I had no idea I'd be doing what I'm doing now, but I knew I was supposed to go back, travel, and minister and stuff again. And I went to the, the leaders and stuff that were in my life there. They knew nothing about rodeo or anything like this. I went to them, shared with them what I felt like the Lord was telling me to do. And I knew that God was going to confirm it through them, even if they didn't understand. And they looked at me and they said, Trey, we don't understand how this is going to happen, but we, we, we know you're hearing God. So 6 months process. See, wisdom... Is yes, we gotta hear the Spirit of God and we gotta learn, but there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Listen to this verse in Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there's no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there's safety. Where there's no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Say there's safety. Now, now I know, can you give me just a little bit longer? This is a very important part of the message tonight. The Holy Spirit wants to help us be confident in the plan of God. Say, the Holy Spirit wants to help me be confident in the will of God. Confident in the will of God. So how... Does the Holy Spirit help me be confident? First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse two. Now, Father, I just surrender to you right now, your word and your presence, and not my will is done, but your will is done. Now, this is very important to the life of a believer in the day and age in which we live in. He's given us His Word, which reveals His will. He's given us His Spirit to continue to reveal His will. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. So notice he says right here, we're talking about how can the Holy Spirit help us be confident in the will of God? He says when we speak in an unknown tongue, we speak not to men, but to who? To God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things. He utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. So when I'm praying in other tongues... I'm speaking to God. I'm not speaking to you. There's a lot of misunderstanding in the body of Christ. Well, if there's a tongue, there has to be an interpretation. And that's true. If I were to get up and I was to speak to you a message in tongue, then I would need to interpret or somebody else would have the interpretation. And if that wasn't the case, I would need to be quiet. But in our private relationship with God, He wants every single one of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we speak In other tongues as you track it throughout the Bible the people that were filled they spoke in other tongues and he says when we speak in other tongues we're speaking to God now I've got to ask how am I doing on this part of my relationship with God I know God wants me to be confident whenever I'm doing the will of God when I'm being a doer of His Word, I'm in the will of God. When I'm thankful, I'm in the will of God. When I keep my joy level up, I'm in the will of God. When I'm being obedient, I'm in the will of God. Well, how about how about how how am I doing in the, my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Am I spending time praying the hidden truths? Am I, am I spending time praying the secrets? I say I want to know the will of God. I want to be confident in the will of God. He says, but when we pray in other tongues... We're speaking directly to God and we pray in other tongues. We're speaking hidden truths. We're speaking mysteries, one translation says. We're speaking the hidden things. Jeremiah 33:3 3 says, Call unto me and I will show you hidden things, things fenced hidden. So if you don't know a solution to a certain area of your life, he says when you pray in other tongues, you're praying the solution out. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 through 15. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive, it bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that's within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that's within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also." So he's saying, okay, pray in your understanding. How do we pray in our understanding? We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, John 15, verse 7. It says, Abide in the Word. The Word abides in us. Then we will ask the Father whatever we will, and it will be given unto us. So praying in our understanding is we find the Scriptures on whatever situation we're facing in life, and then we pray the Scriptures. But then when we get to a point when we don't know what else to pray, he says, Also, pray in the Holy Spirit, for this is the will of God. He says, So you pray in your understanding, you pray in the Spirit. You sing in your understanding, just like we were all singing a while ago, and then you sing in the Spirit. This is the will of God. Remember Ephesians 5 17, 18? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it is the will of God. Say, it is the will of God. So when I'm praying in tongues and I'm praying truths and I'm praying hidden things for my life, for my business, for my family, the truth is in us. He's all knowing, He's all powerful. There is an answer, there is a solution, there is a way out, but it comes from within us, not from out here. And a lot of times we spend all of our effort out here, looking out here. God, how are you going to do it? Where's the answer? Out here. But the truth and the the wisdom and the secrets of God come from within here. Jesus, remember in John chapter 7, He said, all those that hungered after Him, come to Him and let them drink, and out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. What was He saying? Life is going to come from out here. Life isn't going to come from out here first. It's going to come from in here. See, the spiritual created the natural. But we're so focused on the natural that we lose sight of the root of stuff, which is the spiritual. So if I get familiar with the spiritual, the Holy Spirit of God, he says the Holy Spirit by my spirit is praying through me whenever I'm speaking directly to God. So he wants us to know the plan of God by praying in other tongues. How am I going to know the plan of God? I'm going to pray it out in the natural, but I'm also going to pray it out in the spirit. See, he's a good father. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. You can look at it in your own time. He says that if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He is a good Father. It's, the Holy Spirit, Is it's, it's, the tongues has been a dividing tool in the body of Christ. And it's not about the tongues, it's about relationship with our heavenly Father and He wants you to speak to Him in an unknown language. He wants you to connect to Him where there's no doubt, there's no fear, there's no unbelief. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. I, I believe I put this in yours. Romans 8, 26 through 27. We're getting ready to be done. It says, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses. Pause. In the New King James, it says that he comes to help us, say help, in whatever areas that we have infirmities. Infirmity means in any type of weakness. Maybe it's a physical weakness. Maybe it's a spiritual weakness. Maybe it's a financial weakness. Maybe it's an immoral weakness. Whatever the weakness is, it says the Holy Spirit will come and help. Say help. See, He's our helper. And they amplified most of the translation when it talks about the Holy Spirit. It breaks it down at the Greek word parakletes, which means helper, standby, strengthener, intercessor, advocate. He is there to be a part of our life. He wants to be all those things to us. But right here, the word help means that he's going to get a halt with me. Just like if I were to ask you to, to move that table and help me, that means I would have to get a halt of the table with you and us move the table. So he's saying right here, when we pray... To the Father in the name of Jesus. We're praying in our understanding. But when we begin to pray in other tongues over a situation, the Holy Spirit comes to get a hold of the situation with us to bring change on earth just like it is in heaven. So when we're saying, we're, He's not in charge of our prayer life, we're in charge of our prayer life. He's not in charge of our witnessing, we're in charge of our witnessing. But when He helps us, we're doing it and we're inviting Him to come get a hold of it with us. We need His help. So he goes on to say in Romans 8, 26, 27, "...the Holy Spirit comes to our aid, bears us up in our weaknesses, for we do not know what prayer to offer nor how to offer it worthily as we ought." But the Spirit Himself goes to meet our supplication, pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what's in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what His intent is. Because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with His will. According to and in harmony with His will. He's saying, so when you get to the place where you don't know what to pray any longer, when you start praying in other tongues, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of the situation with you and He goes directly to the Father and you're praying in harmony and according to the will of God. That's what we're talking about, right? According to the will of God. How do I be confident that I'm walking in the will of God? Well, the Holy Spirit is here to help me to get a hold of my life with me. And when I'm praying mysteries, I'm praying truths, I'm speaking directly to God. The Holy Spirit is helping me in any area of weakness and He's praying for me. My spirit is praying by the help of the Holy Spirit, praying directly to God with no doubt, no fear, no unbelief. And the truth is coming out. The wisdom is coming out. The plan is coming out. And I begin to get confident that I I know it's just a matter of time for I have the interpretation of what I'm praying. You know, he wants us to interpret our own prayers. But it's just like anything else. You've got to practice it. Because a lot of times people are, well, man, that's just for somebody else. No, it's for us. He wants us to pray. Now, Now, this is a question I have to ask, especially our TV audience here, because if you've been in church for any amount of time, I don't know what church you're part of. But, but most of us believe in Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? Most every church in the world teaches out of what Paul wrote, correct? But you know most churches wouldn't let Paul in in this day and age. Listen, listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8. 18 14 18. I thank God that I speak in strange tongues languages more than any of you and all of you put together (laughs) The guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament I thank God that I speak in strange tongues languages more than any of you and all of you put together And all of our churches just wait a boy Paul we believe in your writings, but when it comes to that And Paul said where do you think I got the revelation? Where do you think I got the insight, the hidden truths? Because when I'm praying in other tongues, I don't know how to pray for all the churches. He said, the concern of the churches is so heavy on me. I don't know what to pray. I pray in my understanding, but now I'm going to pray in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of it with me and goes directly to God. And now I'm praying out the answers. I'm praying out the truths. I'm praying out the hidden secrets. So what hidden secrets do you need to come out in your life? How do I become confident in the plan and will of God for my life? When I'm praying in other tongues, it brings the, it brings the assurance. It brings. See, so what are some benefits of praying in other tongues? Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. It says, I wish that all of you speak in other tongues. Let's go down there. 1 Corinthians 4, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he prophesies, edifies the church. How many of you need, need edified? 1 Corinthians 14, 14, 4. It means it, to build up, to edify. How many of you need built up in your life? How many of you need edified in your life? Every one of us, right? So he says right here, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Have you been edifying yourself? Let's keep going. Jude, chapter, or Jude 20. But you believed building yourself up in your most holy faith Praying in the Holy Spirit. How many of you need built up? Come on, how many of you need built up? He says you you do this by praying in the Holy Spirit. Because see, it takes faith to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to give me the utterance that my spirit is going to do the praying by the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit is going to uh, touch my vocal cords. He's going to touch my tongues. He's going to give me the utterance. I've got to do the speaking, but he gives me the utterance. The, The anointing of God touches your vocal cords, your tongue. You do the speaking, but he gives the utterance. And when that takes place, it's building me up. When it takes place, it's edifying me. When it takes place, I'm praying truths. When it takes place, I'm praying secrets. When it it takes place, I'm praying out the perfect will of God. I've seen people healed from diabetes. This isn't the way he instructs us to pray all the time for the sick. But there's been times where I prayed, didn't know what to pray, and I tried to start praying in tongues, and the person, they received complete healings from diabetes in their body. But see, we want to limit God to what he has to do it this way, Lord. See, when we're praying in other tongues, we're praying answers. I want answers. When we're praying in other tongues, it's building us up like a battery, it's charging us up like a battery. And when you trust the Holy Spirit, that's why he says it's building yourself up in your most holy faith. How do we please God? By faith. Kala. It takes trust that the Holy Spirit's going to give you the Word. It builds, building yourself up in your most holy faith. And that says, rising like an edifice, rising higher and higher, like a big building, you rise higher and higher. Because it takes faith. Every syllable, every word, every sound, every pronunciation, it takes faith, it takes faith, it takes faith. And so your faith in this area is going to carry over into other areas. It's going to build you up. It's going to edify you. You're playing the plan. You're praying truths. You're praying secrets. And it's directly to God, directly to God. Now, I don't go around in people's face that don't understand. I mean, don't be a Fruit Loop where you run around in public, you know, and you're running through the grocery store, you know, praying in tongues and different stuff like that. There's always order, right? God wants, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, not the Fruit Loops. Right? So this is to develop in our relationship with God. How do I become confident in the plan and the will of God? Praying in other tongues is a key part of that. And I know most of you here have already received your prayer language, but if you're watching tonight or today or this morning, wherever you're at in the world, and you've never received your prayer language, listen, I've prayed with thousands of people by now to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and it's very powerful, it's life changing. And it's for everybody. The only prerequisite is that a person is born again, that they're saved. They call upon the name of Jesus, and when they call upon the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God moves on the inside of you, but, it, but there's more. And it says, now you ask the Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And if you'll open your mouth, kind of like picture... Remember the, the water fountains in high school and junior high? You'd go down the hall and you'd, you'd go to drink of it. But if you shut your mouth, the water's just going to hit you in the mouth and nothing's going to happen. But if you open your mouth and you, you inhale and you take a big drink in, it's going to get in. It's the same way. If you will open your mouth... You inhale, you ask the Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you keep your mouth open. You've got to do the speaking. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking directly to God. I'm showing you how to ask the Father, receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And as you do this, you can do this driving down the road. I mean, I've prayed over the phone. I've done it in the pasture, in the barn, in the toilet. I mean, wherever you want to pray, you can pray. And you're praying directly to God. It's real, right? It's, It's God, our Heavenly Father, equipping us with the gift of His Holy Spirit to help us be confident in knowing the will of God. When you're praying in other tongues, you're praying the will of God. This is Trey Johnson. Thank you for joining us today. Keep growing, keep going. We'll talk to you soon. There's our closing, Joel. We don't have to do a closing now on that one. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to challenge each and every one of you. I know most of you, if not all of you, have your prayer language. And if you don't have your prayer language yet, man, I, I want to encourage you to come up to me whenever we're dismissed. And I want to pray with you. I want to help walk you through the process. It is a game changer. It is for every born again child of God. If you're saved, that's the only prerequisite. Look at and and I really am done. Well, you can look at it in your own time. It it says in Acts chapter two, verses one through four. We all know this. We all know this scripture. The Holy Spirit enters the room. Divided fire, as of tongues, lands upon each person's head, and they all begin to speak in other tongues. All 120 of them, it wasn't just a chosen few, all 120 began to speak in other tongues. And Paul says, I pray that all of you speak in other tongues. And so I want us to to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, and our finances, our financial connection is a part of our relationship with God. It's easy to say that we love God with our mouth, right? It's easy to say we trust God because we go to church. But what we do with our finances is an outflow of our worship to God. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we were to look at all of our giving records, if we were to look at where our resources go, could we really say that our relationship with God is important to us? because our finances represent our time our energy our money our gifts our calling our assignment it represents truly who we are when you look at this in the greek where your treasure is treasure is a word that that represents time energy money your heart represents a deep-seated emotion in order for your emotions and your affections to be connected to god he says it's going to be connected to your treasure it's going to be connected to your resources So our finances, I want you to picture your finances represent you. Knowing the plan of God has to do with us connecting to God's plan financially. Because if we're not connecting to God's plan financially, then we can't expect to walk in His plan financially. Then we're on our plan financially. And our plan is never as good as God's plan. Say, God's plan is good. And so, you know, we travel in all different types of places and circles as far as in the church world, and you hear a lot of different takes on giving, and, you know, uh, some people say, well, tithing isn't in the New Testament, and, and tithing actually came before the law was ever established, and tithing isn't an Old Testament or a New Testament issue. Tithing is a heart issue. Tithing is an expression of love. It's our covenant connector to our Heavenly Father. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3. That's in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, you're in Matthew. It'll be the last book of the Old Testament, so it's just a few pages away to the left. And so knowing the plan of God, our finances are connected to us knowing the plan of God because we can never truly walk in the plan of God without our heart being involved. And he says, where our treasure is, there's our heart also. Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 in the Amplified, it says, Even from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? So they're asking, How do we return to God? Verse 8, Will a man rob or defraud God? And what would our answer be most of the time? No way, I would never do that. It says, Yet you rob and defraud me, but you say, In what way do we rob and defraud you? You have withheld your tithe and offering. You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, even the whole nation. Verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, the whole tenth of your income, that there may be food in my house and prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer, insects, plagues for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, and neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you happy and blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now we don't give because of the benefits, we give because of our love for God. But when we make the exchange, I expect God to do what He said He would do in His Word. And He said when we bring the whole tithe to God, there's different forms of giving. There's, there's our tithe, the 10% of our income. That's what tithe means. Alms is, is whenever we give to the poor. It says, whenever we lend to the Lord, He'll repay. There's, there's seed, sow and seed, where whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There's first fruit. Uh, first fruit giving is where you take the first part of your income besides the tithe. Let's say, uh, for example, like in our life, whatever we're believing God for on a daily basis, Jesus said, uh, pray that His kingdom come as will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. So, so we not only have an amount that we're believing to do everything that we're doing around the world right now, but we have a, what we're believing for our daily bread. So we'll take that, our daily bread of believing the first day of the year as our first fruit, and that whole day's resource we will give. Some you can give to the house of God, to ministries, to churches. We choose to give it to the men and women of God that are, that are over us, that are a part of our life, our first fruit. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Because you bring your first fruit, the rest is going to be blessed. He says, Honor the Lord with your first fruit. Like if I get, like let's say when we first went on TV, our first partner that came in off of TV, we didn't use it to pay for more TV time, we took the whole thing as our first fruit and we offered it back to the Lord so the rest of our partners would be blessed and the rest of the TV time would be taken care of. So any new sponsor, any new business deal, any new thing like that, we take the first fruit of what that would be and we offer it back to the Lord. That's different than the tithe. And that's not talked about a whole lot in church circles Because it's it's about money, it's about giving. But I want we're talking about how do you fulfill the plan of God for your life? Well, your money is going to be a key part of it. I'll go ahead and say you will never fulfill the perfect will of God without connecting your finances to the kingdom of God. It's impossible because you can run your mouth, but he says where your treasures, there's your heart also. So how do we walk in confidence? in the plan of God. Well, us ministering to the Lord financially is a key part of that, and we're going to keep going into it, and God's going to show us some more things of how to be confident in the will of God. But I want us to worship one more song. Uh, Eli and uh, Jared, you can just bring the baskets up here, and if you give online, it's the same thing. I want you to, to make an exchange in your heart. If you give through mail, if you text to give, um, you can text give to 833 If you're watching online, you can go onto the website. But I just want to pray over you, and I want it to be a reality. Father, we, we honor you. We worship you with our whole life. That means our resources. It means our time, our energy. And, Father, we want you to know we trust you to bring increase to our life. And as we minister to you financially, Father, we want you to know... We, we want all you have for us. We want your best. We want the perfect will of God, the plan of God. We want confidently to be walking in the, the dream and the will and the desires and passion, the destiny. Every, everybody in this room and everybody that will watch around the world. That you stir in our hearts tonight. That our ears are open, our eyes are open. That we know you more tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.